If you've got your handout with you this morning, this would be a good time to get it out. And we're going to look this morning at a new series that really uh, highlights the unexpected things that happen in our lives. I just thought this is such a year or two here of unexpected change and unanticipated things. It'd be good to uh, learn out of the Christmas story how God might use unexpected events in our lives uh, as well. In fact, uh, today we're going to talk about Joseph, and I've entitled this, When the Bomb Drops in Your Life. When the Bomb Drops in Your Life. But I want to start out by really thinking with you that there are no unexpected events in God's mind, <laughs> in God's utilization. God is not surprised by things that happen. Now, he might be um, sorrowful about things that happen. He might be upset by our choices, etc. cetera. But um, God has a bigger picture in mind. He has an understanding of things that we don't always have. In fact, uh, about Christmas, the Apostle Paul wrote it this way. He said, when the set time had fully come... God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we, we might receive adoption to sonship. I mean, catch that phrase there for a minute. When the set time had fully come. What does that tell you? What does that tell me? God had Christmas in mind, and it was just playing out the time playing out the time. The King James Version says it like this. When the fullness of time had come. When the fullness of time. Think of that for a minute. Time was filling out. Now, Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, was written 400 years before the birth of Jesus. So you had the Old Testament, the revelation of God. You had the prophecies about the coming Savior. And then they just stopped. There was no word from God in the Hebrew people, the children of Israel, the people of God. There was no word from God for 400 years. Have you, you caught that? But what God was, the, the, the fullness of time was clicking out, was taking place. And God had in mind when it would happen. And so when the set time had fully come, God sent forth his son. God sent forth his son born of a woman, born under the law. The time had come completely. Now you might say, well, what was so special about that time? You can go through a variety of different things. For instance, Alexander the Great, the Greek leader, had conquered the then-known world. He had taken over the entire then-known world. He had built roads and communication. There was one language for the first time in, for trade, and etc. There were all kinds of interesting aspects to why God might have chosen that set time, how that would have taken Place. Those that look back on it say there was this peace in the land that had never been, they, they called it the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, because Rome took over right behind 
Alexander the Great. And Rome wasn't interested in propagating their um, culture like Alexander the Great had. He was, uh, they, all they wanted was the taxes. They just wanted the money, the revenue from the, that, that worldwide empire. But there was peace throughout the known world. And it was at that time, it was at that time, we would call it the time came full, came full circle. Now, someone might say, don't you wish God would have sent his son at a time like today when we have video cameras and we have pictures and we have opportunities? Wouldn't it have been neat to see a picture of Jesus? Maybe God chose that time because there was no recording devices. <laughs> it's probably in his wisdom that the fullness of time was exactly where it was. So we accept Jesus Christ, not based on pictures, based on evidence and testimony by those that were, those who were there at the time. You see, our creator who made time steps into time. Our creator who made time to exist now steps into time through his son, Jesus Christ, at just the right time. He works in time and he works, guess what, folks? He works right now in our lives. The same thing that happened when Jesus, he has a set time for you and for me. You remember this verse? <laughs> My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. As far as the heavens are above the earth, so are my. Don't try to pinhole God. Don't try to outthink God. His ways, his thoughts, his design is so much greater. Just trust him. Just put your faith in him. Keep that in mind as you deal with an unexpected season in your life. Now, Daryl and Winona, you didn't expect for the house to burn down, you know? You didn't expect to have to put stints in your heart, you know? There's unexpected things. But look on the global macro level. Who'd expected two years ago, the last 21 months, pandemic? Did anyone guess it? I had no, I've never lived through anything like this before in my 63 years of life. It was and is unexpected. How's God deal with that? Our plans get changed. So as we talk about unexpected Christmas, some of the things I want us to think about are how flexible are you and I in the midst of change? <laughs> When your expectations for normalcy get dashed, what do you do? Maybe we can learn from the Christmas story characters, Joseph and Mary and Anna and Simeon and the shepherds, and can we learn from them how to adjust to unexpected things and even to expect the unexpected, yeah? That life is a series of unexpected, unanticipated events, especially when you walk with God. You know, we're facing some interesting times as a nation. There has never been the economic collision that looks like it's coming 
to the, to the world and to us. We're in a place where political upheaval is felt more strongly than ever before. We're at a place where global uncertainty is the, is the tone of the day. What's going to happen with China? What's going to happen with Russia? And we've been there before in some of those things, but there's a lot that we need to trust God for, to live by faith, to walk by faith, to put our hands in God's hand and to say, Lord, I accept your leadership through this unexpected, unanticipated time. Now, Joseph, he's always at the center of the nativity. Have you noticed that? Joseph, you know, he's right in the center of the picture, is he not? But we don't know a lot about him. I mean, he's listed in the scripture we're talking about today, but not a ton else is known. We don't far less about Joseph than we know about Mary. We find out a lot more about her historically and character profile kind of things. But um, Joseph has a key role. In fact, the understanding we get is that God never would have chosen Mary if she hadn't been attached to a Joseph. Now, that his selection of her was directly related to her selection of him or the marriage that was coming. So we want to want to talk about this here. In fact, uh, this is a, the, the passage. Would you guys mind just standing while we read this? Gives you a little chance to have a moment of movement. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife but they had not, did not cons, uh, consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this passage. Show us today about Joseph as a model and example, dealing with ex, unexpected things in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Go ahead and be seated again. So we've got some uh, outlines to kind of fill in and jot down for a moment. And I want you to think about this unexpected decision. I mean, Joseph kind of had his life planned. He kind of knew what he was doing. And it might help us to understand the uh, kind of the pre-marriage uh, customs of the Hebrew people at a time like this. It, it, it's, it was really interesting how they did 
engagements. Engagements in that day and in that time were almost as formal as the wedding itself. Here's what took place. The parents of the groom-to-be and the parents of the bride-to-be would get together. I don't know if some of you have kids or you think about this for yourself. If your parents chose your mate. Now, they negotiated quite a bit. Maybe that's a good thing because those, <laughs> the parents who'd already had some marriage experience were doing the negotiation and the, and the selection. By the way, around the globe, there's still almost half of our world population have arranged marriages. The Western civilization that has choice and selection by couples that choose their own mates is really uh, a newer phenomenon. <laughs> it's not the most common in terms of the world designation. Back then and, and in much of the world today, it was chosen and negotiated. And here's what took place. They formally chose where and when, but in sketchy detail. They didn't have the date in mind. They didn't have the plan in mind. And the groom, following the engagement, they actually would sign a document, a covenant that they were engaged. Much like a marriage certificate, they would, and, and part of it was because they'd heavily invest in the marriage. The groom would go back to his father's house, back to his father's land, and build a place, a place for his bride. He would physically add on to the house <laughs> or physically extend the, the uh, premises for his, his wife. They were building the place. And it was unknown how long that was going to take. It reminds me of when Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you he said, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm coming back to take you to be with me forever. It's bridegroom talk in John 14 when Jesus says that, okay? Now, the bride, she was to get herself ready. There was often a, a, a bride price, so there was some investment from the bride's family and the bride's side, but she would, her job was to be ready, that remind us of where the church is supposed to be? We're supposed to be the bride of Christ, ready for the Lord's return at any time. You know? And as the uh, days, nobody knew the day, nobody knew the hour, except the groom's dad. Only the father. The groom didn't even know the day the wedding was going to take place. Only, that reminds me of what Jesus said. He said, even the son doesn't know the day or hour of the return. Only the father knows. I mean, he was using bridegroom, bride language at the time that he said that. And that's what is taking place here. So Joseph and Mary are in that pledge zone. And part of the pledge was during that year or two, whatever it was, there was a promise to faithfulness a pledge of purity. And as that pledge of purity took place, obviously, if one of the couple ends up being pregnant, Mary ends up being pregnant, and Joseph is the only man who knows it's not his. 
We have a problem. That's the unexpected decision. So he's got a couple of choices. He can marry her and be under suspicion the rest of his life. He can put her away publicly, divorce her, and actually, the Old Testament law would say she would be stoned. She would be stoned, and, and it was a capital offense. Or he could divorce her quietly. And that's the choice he chose. That's the decision he made. It was not the public choice. It wasn't to marry her. It was to quietly with grace, divorce her. They called it a divorce. They called it a bill of divorcement, even though it was a betrothal, an engagement. There had to be a formalization, a, a finalization, and an undoing of what had been done, an undoing of the covenant that they had made with one another. See, life really threw Joseph a curveball. I mean, think about it for a minute. He had this plan. You know, like all grooms getting ready to get married. You know, we're going to do this and we're going to do that and this and this and then that. And all of it comes to a screeching halt. And he says, we've got to undo everything that's been done. It was an unexpected, I call it a detour or a derail or a bomb. A bomb that drops in Joseph's lap. Divorce her publicly, marry her, or divorce her quietly. So he goes to sleep, he goes to bed with one choice in mind. I'm going to divorce her quietly. I'm going to divorce her and, and, and be gracious about it. And I want to talk to you about that for a minute because he was moving ahead in the best way possible. You know, God calls on us in the time of our unanticipated unexpected things. Do the best you can at the moment you can with what you've got. And that's where Joseph was coming from. It wasn't a perfect decision. He's going to get adjusted in it, but he was moving forward the best he could at the moment. Let's talk about a second thing in this moving forward. He, it's he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. We're going to talk about Joseph's character here for a minute and uh, some of the things that led him to be who he was. God gives him some direction, though. While he is sleeping, an angel of the Lord appears to him. And in the angel's own words, he gives him a command and says... Consider this. Adjust to the following. The angel of the Lord said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take her home as your wife. Because what's conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. He could adjust to follow God's unique call. He could adjust to follow God's unique call. When God wants to reveal himself to us in the midst of expectation, follow God's unique call. And here's what, what happened. You might ask yourself, how, how, do we, how do we get a grip on this? How many of you uh, utilize uh, Google Maps when you drive or a, 
uh, GPS kind of thing. Sometimes we call it global positioning system. Sometimes we call it, in this case, God's positioning system. You know, a global positioning system, you um, tell it where you want to go or you click in your address. And usually if you're still, if you're not moving, it says nothing. But it's when you're in motion that it'll say, in 1,000 feet, turn right. You know, second stoplight, turn left. It gives you direction, especially as you move forward. It seems like that's the way God works quite often in our lives. That it's as we progress and move, we do the best we can, and he, he adjusts us. In this case, Joseph says, I'm going to divorce her quietly. I'm going to be gracious to Mary. And God says, turn left, turn left. I've got a different plan. Don't be afraid to choose window number three. Choose window number three. What's that? Marry her. Don't be afraid to take her as your wife because what's going on inside of her is not unfaithfulness. It's not impurity. It's not, uh, as the world would think. Instead, what's conceived in her is the Messiah, the Son of God, conceived of by the Holy Spirit. Choose window number three. He adjusted to follow God's unique will. And he was called on. He went to bed with one idea in mind, and he woke up with another. I don't know what the breakfast table might have sounded like, you know, as he talks to his family and says, you know, last night I said I was going to divorce her quietly. Today, I'm getting ready to marry her. We're going forward with the plans. Now, that would mean potentially 30 years of ridicule, 30 years of suspicion. It'd be people suspecting that this couple had been unfaithful in their purity pledge. <laughs> but he was following God's plan in the midst of adjustment, in the midst of unexpected times. What do you do in unexpected times? Obey God with uncommon sense. Not common sense, uncommon sense. Because revelation, the revelation of God shows us God's bigger picture, God's best plan, God's overall leadership. And he loves to use unexpected things in our lives to direct us further in his plan, to his unique and divine call, adjust to his plan. Let's, let's go through some things that might have allowed Joseph to be prepared for the unexpected. Jot these things down that we learn about Joseph from this passage, okay? Number one, Joseph had a righteous heart. What's the first thing it says? It says, Joseph being a faithful man, a faithful man of the law, a man faithful to God, a man who was righteous. Now, we sometimes use the word righteous as a, as a derogatory term because we're thinking of self-righteous. This isn't about self-righteousness, this is about wanting to know and follow the truth. Joseph was a man. That's why he was going to put her aside. He knew he had not sinned with his, with his fiance. So he was going to take care of it in a lawful, faithful, righteous way. It says he was faithful 
to the law. Now, the second thing is like it, but different, and they contrast with one another. Why did he not want to publicly disgrace her? He had compassion. The Bible says it was because he had compassion on her. He loved his bride-to-be. He did not want to disgrace her publicly. He had uh, compassion. By the way, are those not the two aspects of God that often stand out? The truth and grace. Righteousness and compassion. You know, some people are so focused on truth that they're hard. Some people are so focused on love that they're soft. When you put the two together, you have the perfect combination. Righteous, compassion, truth, and love. That's his call for all of us. Oh, that we would be like Joseph in both righteousness and truth, not having uh, uh, overextension on either one of those, but to be following him completely with those two. Note a third one. I say that Joseph had a soft heart because during a dream in the middle of the night, the visit from the angel could direct and turn and use the soft heart of Joseph to get through to him. You know, the terminology there is, is similar to a potter. You know, when a potter is throwing a, a pot and creating that, they want soft clay. What happens if the clay has already been fired and hardened? You've got to smash it. You've got to grind it. You've got to get it down to pliability. By the way, the Bible talks a lot about being soft-hearted. It talks about it with our mates. It says, don't ever get a hardened heart. He said, that's why divorce happens. He says, the reason Moses allowed and, and, and called for a certificate of divorce, just like he was going to do here, he said, because of the hardness of your hearts. <laughs> That's why you can give a couple a guarantee. If you never get hard-hearted toward God and you never get hard-hearted toward each other, you will never divorce. It will never happen. Okay? And in every divorce, you, can, you know that something has gotten hard-hearted. Here, soft-hearted Joseph took, here's what God wants, and then adjusted and said, no, this is what God wants. And God could take a pliable heart and direct it. Can he take your heart, my heart, and direct it? Are we likewise pliable? Do we let God move our heart? I mean, that's the key question. Are you heart movable? Is your heart something that God can, can use. Now, in the Christmas story, there's a fellow that's really hard-hearted. Do you remember Herod? You know, they come to Herod, and Herod had the hard heart. He didn't want change. He would not accept the Messiah and his arrival. So just the opposite happened, and what did God have to do? Crush him, in essence. Even though he took the lives of children, around the, the, the nation there. He took all the lives of everyone two years old and younger. Killed them, slaughtering. It was called the slaughter of the innocents. That's what hard-heartedness leads to. Just the opposite for Joseph. Joseph was the man in the story with a soft heart. Guys, 
How soft is your heart toward the Lord? How pliable and willing to move are you? Joseph had a trusting heart. Some people say he was too trusting. I don't think so. He was believing, and what was he believing? He was believing God. God provided an angel. By the way, Hebrews chapter one, verse one says, God speaks in lots of different ways. God speaks in lots of different ways. None of us have probably had an angel come to us like Mary did. None of us have had an angel in a dream like Joseph did. But the Bible says he's spoken to us in various ways. Every day, God is trying to reveal himself to us in dozens and dozens of ways through his word, through the body of Christ, through brothers and sisters in Christ, through revelatory things. He's always working to reveal himself and calling on us, just trust me. Just trust me. I've got the solution. I know the future. It's not a surprise to me. You willing to do that? Even in the midst of 2021, headed to 2022, are you willing to trust God as he reveals himself in the midst of calamity, the midst of challenge, the midst of even sorrow like this weekend? Trust him. He had faith above logic. It wasn't just what he could figure out. In a way, this didn't make any sense. Take her to be my bride? I know that I did not bring about a child. Now he knows God did. He believes God and he believes um, that Mary was really the evidence. Turn to the last one here, number E. As he woke up, what did he do? Exactly what the angel told him to do. He had an obedient heart. The reason Joseph could be so useful to the Lord in this unexpected change was are these characteristics. These characteristics. He was righteous. He was compassionate. He was soft-hearted. He was trusting, and then he was obedient to God. He was willing to obey even when it did not make sense. See, you might say you believe something, but when you act, you really show what you believe. Actions show what you believe. Trusting may be an internal thing. I trust you, God. But you show him you trust him by what you uh, do, by your action, by your behavior. I was thinking of an Old Testament illustration of this from the book of Exodus, where the people of God are on their way out of Egypt. They're running away from Pharaoh. Pharaoh is behind them, and they're chasing after him. I mean, it's a very event, uh, eventful day as the people of God are on the run. And God says to do something that just doesn't make sense. From a human point of view, you would say, there's no way I'm going to obey that. That has no military sense to it. Here's what God said. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the people, the Israelites, to turn back. Wait, they got an army chasing them. He says, turn around and go back. What? And in camp, we're in camp near Piheroth, 
between Migdal and the sea. Well, that seems like a counterproductive thing. You want us to camp next to the sea? Isn't that hemming us in? Isn't that uh, the, the, the last thing you would do in a military sense? Okay. Directly opposite Baal, Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And you know what happens, right? As Pharaoh's army attacks and arrives, the sea opens up. One of the greatest miracles of the entire Old Testament. We talk about it to this day because it's so astounding. The Red Sea parted and the army could go through and eventually the Red Sea itself was what destroyed Pharaoh's army. So what looked like a military failure was actually the opposite. When God reveals himself and it's unexpected, accept and follow, obey the Lord. And you will find that even in the, uh, even in the unexpected, God works miracles. God loves to work miracles. God loves to take Moses and change the situation. You know, our relationship with God, our faith, our trust in him, he calls on us to, to exercise, just like, just like a muscle. It's not so much a, a switch like on and off. I have faith, I don't have faith. But it's more like a, a, a muscle where we get stronger and stronger and stronger as we utilize it. It's kind of that use it or lose it. You know, God calls on us as his people to grow step by step, faith by faith, all along the way, even though it might defy logic. I've told this story before. This couple that I got to sit down with before their wedding and uh, I, I, I still get inspiration from this, Bill and Sarah. And as I presented Christ to them during the wedding, uh, planning the, the deal, first time I'd met them, they said, we want to become Christians. They said, we want to get baptized. I said, okay, no, that's a good idea. They said, no, we want to get baptized tonight. Well, this was after youth group and a counseling session. This was like 8.30 at night. I said, oh, you want to get baptized tonight? Yeah, we want to get baptized. And they kind of had this, this uh, aura about them. There was whatever God wants, we want to do it. It was inspiring. Well, so a few phone calls and filling of the baptistry. And, you know, late night, uh, probably by 10 o'clock, we were baptizing the two of them. Then the next week, an after youth group meeting, Bill says uh, he was a, he was a uh, deputy for the Pierce County Sheriff. And he said, you know, the guys on the force, they, they, they tell me I'm not supposed to be sleeping with Sarah. He said, this guy was just this blank, you know, this bold. And I said, well, I didn't know you were living together, but let's talk about that. And as I explained God's best plan for him, he just says to me, well, if that's what God wants, I'm moving out. And his wife kind of went, whoa. But that's the kind of, in, in a way, unculturally accepted, the unexpected to say, put God first. Now, the joyful part of that is when the wedding happened months later, Sarah came up to me with tears in her eyes. And she said, I'm so glad that Bill follows the Lord now. 
She said, I'm so glad that our marriage is now based on trusting God instead of our own desires. And to report to you today that they're still following the Lord years and years later. Why? Because they put obedience to God at the heart of it. If that's what God wants, that's what I want. And that's what Joseph did. He said, if that's what God wants, then that's what I'm going to do. Oh, that we would have that kind of response for our direction and following God's unique call in our lives. Let's uh, take a third one. Unexpected dreams. Unexpected dreams. Here's, here's Joseph having a literal dream, but I'm thinking more than just the literal dream that he had. Here, God is going to use him in the most dynamic way any man could have ever been used to bring into the world and to watch over, to adopt into his family the Messiah, the Son of God. So here I say, don't miss God's bigger picture. Don't miss God's bigger picture. God's always up to something that's bigger than what you expect. God's always up to something that you can't see at the moment. Trust him for it. I want you to admit as you sit here today that life is not going to turn out the way you expect it to. Okay? That's one of the challenges is we get expectation. We want clarity. We want to know where we're going and what we're going to do. But I want to encourage you to always trust God in the midst of that and say, it's not going to go the way I expect it to. It's going to go the way God wants it to, and I will trust him in the midst of it. Expect the unexpected. Let God build the plan. What do you do when you are given direction or revelation from God? When God speaks, do you trust him in the midst of it? Of course, there's the the passage, what does God explain to him? What I'm doing is a special, unparalleled opportunity because what's conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. He's never heard of that before. That's never happened before. That's unique. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. So what the 400 years of silence had promised would happen at one time, Joseph is beginning to sense, this is the one, this is the time. God's calling on me to be the adopted earthly father of the Messiah, the son of the living God. You talk about a dream coming true. His life has now taken on a different meaning, a different purpose. No longer is it just marrying this girl from Nazareth. Now God is about something so inspiring, so unique. It's going to change the entire spiritual climate for the rest of history. He's going to mark the days, B.C. and A.D., marked upon Jesus the changer of everything. And who gets to be upfront, personal, and in, in the face of that? Joseph. Joseph. This unexpected dream, because that's God's bigger picture. He says, don't be afraid to take her home as your wife. You know, fear is often the biggest challenge we've got. Fear is what the media is trying to foster within us. Fear, fear, fear. The angels kept saying to, to, to both Mary and Joseph, don't be 
afraid. Fear not, fear not. And oh, here he says, don't be afraid to take her home as your wife. Because what's going on, it is God with us. It is Emmanuel. It's the Lord revealing himself to the entire nation. And he wants to use you and he wants to use me to reveal God and his love to our community. He wants to reveal God's love to our nation. He wants to call us to reveal God's love to the world. Oh, that we would be as moldable and as useful to God in this unexpected way as Joseph was. You know, we use this uh, passage the other day, Acts 17. Uh, it's still in my mind. This is where the Apostle Paul says, from one man he made all nations. Actually, it's Luke recording this that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him. The reason God appoints times and seasons, the reason he appointed this time and season for Joseph and the reason he calls us to today is so that we would cause people to seek after the Lord. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any of us, for in him we live and we move and we have our being. The when, the where of your life is in his bigger purpose. It's in his bigger plan. What you're doing today, why you're doing what you're doing, if you're trusting in God, he will use that for his good, for his glory, to cause people to come to know him so that they would seek him. Joseph was the adoptive father to the Messiah of the world because he used the unexpected and followed the unexpected Lord. One last thing here. I just say, how delightful. What a great outcome. The great outcome that we get to see is this delayed gratification. He traded the immediate for the ultimate, just like Jesus did. The Bible says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. You know, the immediate was the cross. The ultimate was the salvation of mankind. Joseph, he had an immediate and he had an ultimate. He sacrificed the immediate he was now going to be ridiculed. He was now going to be thought of less. Instead, the ultimate. He was able to foster and bring around this uh, son of God to live out the ultimate. You know, that's what God calls on us for. When he says to you and I, he says, follow me. And you say, well, I might have to give something up. Yes, you may have to give up an immediate or the ultimate. I mean, isn't that what athletes do? <laughs> athletes work out and they give up the time, the energy, the, 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 the sweat and blood for the ultimate goal. What are they aiming at? You know, he calls on us to look at our lives in such a way. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Jesus, the same way. 
Here we are in 2021, headed toward 2022. Here we are recalling Joseph, this passage in the scripture that highlights his life, his response to the unexpected things that happened in his life. And we're using him as a model. His heart is something we want to emulate. His heart is something that becomes to us an example. And you're invited. You're invited to God's story, just like Joseph was in the God story. He calls on you and he calls on me to be in the God story. We're not going to be fostering the son of God, the Messiah, like he did. But no less important are the banks, the, the, the um, places God calls us to invest ourselves. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this model, this example of Joseph. Thank you for the faithful and righteous man that he was. Thank you for the compassion and soft-heartedness that he had. Thank you for the trust and obedience. Help us, Lord, as we examine our own hearts today. Would you use us in the unexpected things that are happening all around us every day to show us your best plan for us, to show us how you want to use us in your bigger picture, in the gospel story. Show us who you want to reach out to, how you want to use us in this season, in this time. Thank you that there are no surprises, no unexpected times for you. We trust you, Lord. We ask you to lead us as we do that. In Jesus' name, amen.